You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin by calling in the helping spirits to be with us here today. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine. I call out those people who lived well and died well and bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines to us. I call out to these people that carry this rich legacy. We ask them to bring it to us, to help those who are living to do what it is that they have come into their time to do. And I ask those ancestors to help us to learn from those who have gone before us, help us to stand strong in those traditions and practices that held them strong in their own lives. And we ask that ancestors to help us to understand where it is in our lives that we must innovate and be different, where it is that we must change, we must forgive, we must heal, that we must move on from that which has gone before us. So I ask our ancestors to come around to help us, help us the living do what we are called in our time to do so that we leave a world that is a blessing for those who are coming. And as these human ancestors gathered round, I reach out through the humans to those non-human ancestors who were here long before anybody ever dreamed up a human. And I call out to those energetic beings all around us, those manifest in the beauty of life around us and those not manifest. I call out to these ancestors and ask them to be with us today as well to help us to remember that which in life that abides to help us remember what is true and important and will go with us when we die. May we remember to tend those things with our actions in each day. And I call out to these ancestors to help us to understand our true nature and to dive deeply in to that which makes humanity great and to bring that magnificence out in the world in love and kindness and the power to transform things towards a vision of a new world. And I ask these energies to help us to work with them and them with us to manifest this vision, this possibility, this dream that the earth is dreaming. So with these ancestors all gathering around us here today, let us draw in our energy from wherever it might be into our heads. And with a nice breath, let us bring that awareness from our head to our heart and from our heart down into our belly. And from our belly, let us take a moment and stop our day and touch the earth and give gratitude for the day. Gratitude for our lives, gratitude for the beauty and the diversity, for the possibility, even gratitude for the challenges, for these are the things that will make us stronger, that will bring us into the men and women we have come here to be by challenging us. And we give thanks to the generosity and the earth's dreaming that we are able, as long as we are breathing, to meet these challenges and to transform. And let us take a moment touching the earth and just be in awe of life, the miracle of life itself, and that spark that we each carry. And with great, great gratitude and wonder and awe in our hearts, let us reach down through all the layers of the earth, allowing our gratitude to pour out as we go. 
pouring and pouring out into all the layers of the earth until we reach the very center of the earth. And as we connect deep down into the center of the earth to this energy that rises to the surface of the earth to bring all life, the abundance that we share, that allows the great ecosystems to turn in their wheels of Aini to produce life here on earth. We connect to that energy before it is anything, where it is silent and still, cool and unmoving, yet possessing the potential for all of these things. And we dip our energy into this earth energy and we draw it up just as we bring a refreshing handful of water up on a parched day. And we bring this energy into ourselves up through all the layers of the earth to rejuvenate and restore and replenish, to bring into our lives this rich abundance And we ask this energy to help us understand how to ground ourselves deeply to the earth, to be present in our bodies, to understand where we stand in life and to take a stand. And from this place that we are willing to take a stand about, let us build a sense of home and in that home, a sense of hearth and in that hearth, a sense of belonging. And may we do this in a way that is not simply open to those who look and talk and think as we do, but may we open our homes and open our tables to the other, to those who are different and in their different thoughts, their different ways of speaking and being, awaken in us the possibility of who we could truly be. And as we call the other into our home, let us begin to understand the otherness within ourselves and allow the energy of the earth to help us to understand how to connect how to create interconnection and the interdependent energy that is this great web of life. And may we reach out through that interconnection into the oneness. And from a moment in that oneness, let us take right relationship with ourself, right relationship with others, right relationship with our environment and right relationship with the spirit world. May we come into that sense of our place in all of these things and set in our heart the intention to do what is good for all life. And let us draw this energy up now from our belly to our heart and our heart to our mind and up and out the top of our head and out into the sky, whatever it holds for you in this moment and out through that weather, out through the atmosphere and all the way up and out into the cosmos, allowing your energy to move past all the heavenly bodies and the great mysteries of our vast universe. We give such gratitude for the ways in which we are able to see how our universe is so much bigger than we ever imagined. And let's reach out and out and out until we connect with the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name we know this energy, name it, know it, connect with it, feel it in you and it in it, it in you and you in it. And let's draw this energy down, drawing down into ourselves, into our day, into these proceedings, the rich essence energy of blessing. And we call these blessings in, we call down protection, We call in devotion and generosity and the commitment that comes when we decide to be here, not just for ourselves, but for all life. We call in this energy that inspires and illuminates the way that we can do that. We call this energy in, drawing it into our head and into our heart, into our belly, and send it all the way down to the center of the earth. And in this way, we open ourselves up to be this meeting place, this place of merging and connection of heaven and earth, of these two great legendary lovers. 
And in that interaction of these energies is the big love, is the big dynamic movement of chi, yin and yang, birthing all that we experience as form into existence. And in the very essence of that big love, may our own hearts awaken to that call. May the crucible of change that lives in our hearts open up with this calling, be infused with earth and sky and open up to draw up the fiery passions of our belly, to draw down the crystal clarity of our mind and to let these energies dance together there in the heart and in that dynamic tension to give birth to that third and most sacred thing, our sense or feeling or understanding, our memory perhaps of why we are here. And may we find in our human heart the courage that we need to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those gifts into manifestation in the world. And with all the spirit help gathered around us, we give great gratitude for all the assistance that we have in doing these things that we have come here to do. May what needs to be said be said here today, and may what needs to be heard be heard, and may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I want to give a special thank you to Mary and Anne, to Susan and Nathan and Samantha, to Sherwood and Derek, to Katrina and Naima, and all the listeners who have been able to donate to the show. I am grateful for your financial offerings. They help us keep the show on the air. There are bills to pay, and I would not be able to do this without you. So I give great gratitude. With your generosity, we are able to keep this show listener-supported, which means the show is out there and available on the Internet to anyone who can get onto the Internet. They are free, free on iTunes, free at whyshamanismnow.com, and free on cocreatornetwork.com. And so I give gratitude to all of you who helped me to make that happen. If this show is meaningful to you in any way, if it moves you, even if it moves you into irritation and frustration, um, I sometimes hope that it does. But what it means is you've been moved. And if you have been moved in the heart, may you do that most fundamental of shamanic actions, but to allow what moves you in the heart to motivate your actions in the world and to do something large or small to help the show to grow to bring the teachings into your life, to, to do them, to let me know what happens, to share your questions and frustrations as you do that uh, via email. Maybe they'll turn into a really interesting show, um, like the show that's coming next week. Just do something to share, to help the show to grow, to build the strength so that we can be the people who will change the story for the new world. And so I give gratitude to all the many things you're doing. If you do want to donate and you haven't done that yet and you don't know how, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com and click the support button. You can donate any amount, large or small. It all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And if you don't like paying via the internet, that's fine. Just email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org and I would be happy to give you a regular address for a regular old-fashioned paper check. It's all good. And it all goes to this effort that we are in together to bring uh, teachings that are relevant and practical and efficacious (laughs) into our lives so that we can truly do what we have come here to do. So I also want to give thanks to our guest here today, Kai Armand. Kai, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. So um, I'm particularly grateful because I feel like um, there's a certain 
arena of shamanic work or spirit work and sometimes even spiritist work that is underrepresented on the show and it's not for my lack of trying um it's just people don't respond to my emails so what am i supposed to do <laughs> so, so i'm really grateful that you're you're joining me here today <laughs> oh no this is this is so exciting thank you so much for having me so our topic here today everybody is um hoodoo root work or um conjuring and Kai is a gifted and trained spiritual counselor and a ritualist at Conjure in the City in New York. And so you can contact him there at um, Conjure, K-O-N-J-U-R, in the city, all one word, dot com. Or just email him at Kai, K-H-I, at ConjureInTheCity.com. So you can connect with him there. Uh, his natural gift uh, in psychic and supernatural awareness has led him on a long journey in his life to study the world's spiritual traditions and the energetic relationships between humans, plants, and other animal species. He holds a degree in ritual anthropology and has studied animism and ritual at the graduate level. Um, in drawing on our most ancient wellness modalities, Kai hopes to reestablish worldwide recognition um, in these modalities for their beauty and efficacy and necessity. A modern alchemist, Kai serves as an, inter- an international clientele in manifesting short-term and long-term intentions with a variety of world magical practices, including hoodoo root work, which is our topic today, and Latin American cur- curanderismo. Kai's alliances with helping spirits and his ability to channel and enlist ancestral helping spirits lends his work tremendous efficacy and authenticity. Um, Kai teaches workshops and um, currently actually teaching a teleseminar class and presents at conferences across the United States. He performs time-honored and innovative rites that lead people into greater joy, purpose, and prosperity. Kai is a member of the Association of in- Independent Readers and Root Workers, which most of you probably didn't even know existed, but I think it's pretty cool you have an association, and um, which is a gathering of professional practitioners of African-American folk magic who provide psychic reading and spiritual root doctoring services to the public. So everyone, we are live today, and if you have any questions about today's topic, you're welcome to call in at 512-772-1938. You can Skype in from co-creatornetwork.com sites, or you can just email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. So, Kai, um, again, thank you for being with us here today. I'm wondering... If there was there some sort of pivotal moment that brought you to root work, or did it just kind of sneak up on you and you found yourself there? You know, I was studying with a, a wonderful um, shamanic practitioner named by uh, Doctor E. He went by the name Doctor E in the Conjure community, but was also known as uh, Eddie Gutierrez. Uh, rest his soul. He actually just passed away early this year, and I was um, studying a queer shamanic tradition with him known as the Unnamed Path. Um, and it was right around my studying with him that he became uh, very much involved in hoodoo work and conjure. And um, I actually had a reading with him. This was uh, many years ago. And I was talking to him about some issues in my own life. And he said, well, you know, I, I think that you should take a few baths. I think that you should make yourself a mojo hand or a talisman that looks like this. And I said, oh, yeah, I got that got that I had you know, read some of the material um, from the communities that he was involved in and uh, had some idea of what he was talking about. And he said, you know, you, I think you could do this. 
and I and I said, "Do what?" <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, he he was saying, "I think I think that you could um, be a, a good root doctor." And I shied away. I said, "No, no, no. I, I could never. That's that's not something I could I could do. And I, I don't think I have the." Uh, ability or the talent to do that. He said, no, I really think that you could. Um, so how about you start there? My, he was saying, my reading is saying that this is the direction that would be best for you. Uh, so I picked up my courage and then I began. And it's been a beautiful, beautiful ride through this rich tradition, a, a truly rich tradition that is also um, – it is grounded, I would say, in a very specific experience in America while ex- at the same time being so American – uh, we we see elements of hoodoo root work throughout Americana. Um, it's one of those things that sort of in the collective unconscious of our country uh, shows up. You know, words from this tradition show up in our everyday language and in movies, but we don't exactly know about the specifics of its origins too often. Um, so it's, it's it's been a, a wonderful ride. So let's let's start there and let's just talk with people a little bit here about what. Hoodoo root work is, and perhaps perhaps what it is, and then where it came from. Sure. Well, you know, at its at its root, it is. I feel like to talk about hoodoo root work, it's always great to begin talking about what folk magic is in general. Now, I was just at a cafe this morning, uh, getting my usual you know morning bagel and coffee, and I went in and um, I saw a nazar or an evil anti-evil eye charm. I think most people have seen that. It's usually blue, then white, then a lighter blue, then a darker blue in the center. Uh, most people know it as an evil eye charm, even though it's meant to ward off the evil eye or ward off jealousy. And I'm at this cafe all the time, but I never saw this in the shop. And I saw this and I said, hey, have you guys had that for a long time? And he said, oh yeah, we, we've, we've had this in the shop forever. I guess you haven't seen it. And then he remarked, you know, we're Greek. Our church doesn't believe in that, but we we believe in that. And that, I believe, is in the 21st century um, one of the hugest markers of what folk magic uh, means. And what, when we're talking about folk magic, what we're talking about, we're talking about animistic worldviews that have survived colonization uh, and oftentimes through syncretism, oftentimes through a joining up with the forces of the state or the church in order to survive. So you have these ideas of, of order and the way that one should worship and what one should be paying attention to. And folks are absolutely going to church, whether it be Catholic church or Protestant church on Sunday. And at night, um, they are putting up their nazars, their evil eye charms, or they're taking bundles of rue and cleansing themselves and their children, or they're uh, praying a psalm over some oil and anointing themselves. Or in, in the words of hoodoo, uh, they're working roots. They're, they're going to church in the morning and, and they're working roots at night uh, to, to handle their business. So we're talking about a, a worldwide phenomenon, a worldwide experience of folk magic, of the magic of the people. Uh, when people combine their own intentions with an animistic worldview uh, using often common household goods. Um, and in hoodoo specifically, we're talking about Protestant Christian folk magic that's rooted in the African-American experience of the rural South. And from there, you really find it uh, embedded in the blues music from the early to the uh, mid-20th century. So songs like uh, Got My Mojo Working" or uh, Aunt Caroline Die Blues. And most people, when they hear Got My Mojo Working," they're thinking, oh, that's, 
that's your sexual organs or that's your sexual prowess. And that's you know, sort of the thing that's disappeared when he's talking about in that particular song, got my mojo working. He's talking about a talisman. He's talking about an, specifically an African-American talisman for, well, in that song, for getting love, for for attracting love or or dominating a lover, really, most likely, in that song. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so lay out a little bit more the history for people. So this is sort of what, how the pieces came together sure. so, in North America. Absolutely. So, you know, we have, ens- uh, in, we have enslaved African peoples being brought to the quote unquote new world uh, in the 18th century and severally 17th century and 18th century. And they are being spread out all over the new world um, in, in Haiti. Uh, their their practices uh, from the from the Bantu people, the Fon people, the Congo peoples turn into a religion known as uh, Vodou, Haitian Vodou, which is sort of African practice hidden behind the cloak of Catholic uh, religion, which is why so often if you were to go to a botanica or a um, or a spiritual shop, you'll often find people pointing at Catholic statues but calling them by other names uh, in Cuba. The religion that comes up is Santeria, and it's especially uh, the Yoruban peoples, uh, that uh, the Yoruban peoples' practices mixed with Catholicism. And in North America, something very unique happened because um, the Catholicism was actually you know, mostly frowned upon in the South, and what we really had was Protestant religion. So there, was, there were no Catholic saints for the Congo peoples especially to hide their gods behind. So we kind of find uh, the the gods sort of just drop off and we're left with the folk magic. We're left with these sort of folk magic techniques um, coming from the Congo Congo practices with a strong Protestant, uh, Southern Baptist – feel to them and, and way of working things. So there's an emphasis on the, on the Psalms. There's an emphasis on um, read, the Bible as a talisman, for instance. So when African peoples get here, first of all, uh, you know, obviously this isn't showing up in our, in our textbooks, but they are rebelling. They are rebelling against their own enslavement. And one of the ways in which they're doing so is through the use of conjure and magic and root work. And they are using conjure, folk magic and root work, to poison and curse plantation owners and their families. Uh, they're using it to keep family members from being sold away. They're using it to prevent brutal beatings and killings. They're also using it to help ensure safe travel. And, and that's not just speaking of the sort of materia magica of hoodoo, which would, uh, I would say often is included, um, including herbs, roots, minerals, animal curios, and dirts, but also an animistic worldview that uh, encompasses dreams. Uh, for instance, uh, Harriet Tubman, the great Harriet Tubman, is known for having dreamt her way to the north. Uh, she would often dream at night uh, which route she would need to take to get herself and her passengers on the Underground Railroad to safety. So when these uh, African peoples are brought to to the United States, the forming United States, they're carrying these tools with them and are immediately putting them to use um, to counter the enslavement that they're experiencing. Now, when they get here, they don't have access to all of the roots and, and plants and minerals that they had in Africa. So we immediately find a bond being cultivated between them and American Indian peoples living here. Um, 
there are, we really can't talk about hoodoo and, and, unless we're talking about a, I would say the the plant spirit par excellence of of hoodoo, which is known as High John the Conqueror root. And High John the Conqueror is a is a American an, an American legendary being. Uh, it said. Some stories say that he was a prince, an African prince who was brought here and always tricking out, you know, always tricking the master and always getting his own way. And that he put his spirit in this particular route that to this day is, is utilized by conjurers and, and those who go to conjurers for overcoming adversity and for uh, achieving goals of the very trickster means. The idea of uh, I'm, I'm oppressed or I'm, I have to work against issues or experiences that are too overwhelming, but I can, I can get out of this and I can attract that money that I need or I can attract that luck that I need or I can maintain my strength or my virility despite the times or place that I'm living in. So that, that I, would, I would say the, the American Indian um, Materia Magica, Materia Medica was one of the first um, additions to hoodoo in the new world. And what we find in the 1840s through the early 20th century is that spiritualism or uh, sort of a movement that was very much related and, and still very much is related to speaking with the dead. Its emphasis is on speaking with the dead, speaking with the ancestors. That uh, fills in a huge gap in, in amongst hoodoo practitioners who, for whom ancestor reverence traditions might have been lost in the passage to the new world. And then we actually have, um, you know, slavery, slavery coming to an end. Uh, things are still, of course, not easy for African-American peoples in the United States. Um, but new connections are being made with Jewish people and with, uh, Chinese immigrants and actually Germanic peoples as well. So right around the early 20th century, late 19th century, early 20th century, we find an influx of influences into into hoodoo or conjure um, from G- Germanic Appalachian peoples, especially in the book uh, Powwow or The Long Lost Friend. We find Jewish men writing books about their own experiences with incense and, and working with different kinds of colored, can- colored uh, candles that make their way into hoodoo. And we actually find new materia magica entering from, from Chinese immigrants. So uh, things like bat nuts or even working with hote Buddha, which is not something you might find amongst conjurers who are living in the South, but you definitely find that amongst African-American conjurers living in Oakland and the Bay Area in the mid-20th century. Uh, so again, I would, I would say that hoodoo is it's definitely at its root Protestant Christian folk magic, but then we start having all of these wonderful variations that are also regional. Uh, New Orleans, for instance, is, is such a melting pot of traditions, and there's absolutely a, a a version of hoodoo that exists there, but with definitely Catholic overtones, whereas in, say, the lower eastern states of the United States, uh, definitely sticking to, to Protestantism. And everything has changed now. Now that we're talking about the 21st century and, and the internet, it's a whole lot of innovation. <laughs> a whole lot mm-hmm. of innovation has entered this tradition. Uh, but to me, it's, it's, it's so beautiful and important for us to remember where this tradition came from and how many people have contributed to what is a, a practical folk magic. And oftentimes when we're talking about um, 
folk magic, we're talking about practicality. We're talking about things that get things done. We're talking about, I need money, I'm lighting a green candle. We're talking about, I'm trying to stop a foreclosure on my home. I am nailing some railroad spikes in the corners of my property. Uh, We're talking about, my boss is mean and, and might fire me. I need to lay some roots on them. There are some words that are very specific to hoodoo versus other folk magics that um, sort of call out hoodoo out of, out of the melange of, of practices in the world. So words like conditions, uh, a root doctor, because and I, and I think that the word doctor here is also important to consider. We're talking about folk medicine practitioners who aren't just focusing on um, the outer world uh, the meta- and, and metaphysical change. We're talking about herbalists as well. We're talking about uh, low-income African Americans in the South uh, taking their children to the to the local root doctor to possibly get a mojo hand for love, but just as possibly help remove a wart from their child. So the idea of conditions is: well, what condition are you experiencing? What are you? What needs to be countered or, or changed or remediated here? Another hoodoo term would be um, uncrossing. So if someone's been crossed up. Uh, say someone has laid jinxes on you, someone has worked roots on you, someone has actively worked against your highest good and, and the blessings in your life. Maybe you need some uncrossing baths to cleanse you and remove those roots. We have the idea of being tricked, of laying tricks. There's a lot of sneakiness <laughs> in hoodoo. There's a lot of uh, sneakiness to, to, to get one's way or to uh, apply an influence, uh, apply influences to the world around oneself to achieve their goals. So that, that's, uh, that, that's I, would, I would say that that pretty much sums up. I mean, there's so much to say, but that, that pretty much is a, is a summary that I would provide. Oh, and, and there's, of course, the, the various terms that would be to get given to people who do that stuff. Uh, people are known as hoodoos. They're known as conjurers. They're also known as two-headed doctors, uh, which is a term that there's a bit of contention around that. No one exactly knows where it comes from, but some people say, well, they're two-headed because they're preaching in the morning and, and, and on Sunday morning and then they're working roots for their congregation at night. And not everyone calls it hoodoo or conjure. Just like I, I would say that people who are Italian, for instance, probably don't necessarily all call their traditions stregoria, their folk magic traditions. Oftentimes it's just that stuff that we do. And, and, and folks don't necessarily know that, that there's sort of the, um, academic research behind their, uh, behind their family's practices. There's, there's just thinking, really? My mom just uh, – I had a headache. So my mom just opened the, the, the Bible to Psalm 23 and placed it under my, under my pillow. There's a name for that, you know? Mm-hmm. I would even say that um, I was once in a, in a shop. And just to test this out myself, I asked a woman in front of me who was buying some candles. I said, this thing that we do – what do you call it? And she, she looked at me and she said, I call it goodness. I said, you call it goodness? And she said, yeah, I, I call it goodness. It's, it's, I, I do this to remind me that God is on my side and is helping me through anything I need help with. So Kai, let's talk a little bit about who ends up being a doctor. So, like, for example, what, one of the things I find interesting about the sort of the life force of this, this tradition and its, and its constant growth here in North America is it, if, we, if we look at the first contact 
look at the time of first contact of the of the native peoples that were here as far as their practices go it was very um specialized meaning um there was a tendency towards whatever gift someone had it got developed and it might be that you just were a really good diviner about what the problem is and then once then and then someone else was maybe a really good diviner about what the remedy was and then someone else was really good at doing this one particular kind of remedy called the shaking tent you know i mean it was very it was unlike almost everywhere else in the world where well like in the amazon where you've got the shaman who does everything and is a medicine man or woman because they know the whole um medical practice of this enormous bioregion of the Amazon. You know, they're, they're, they're doing everything. Whereas in North America, there was really this kind of interesting specialization. And, and, and so out of the specialization came this idea of that, okay, so you have the gift and you need to not um, abuse people with the gift. And so there's a lot of practices around supposedly not taking money for the gift but of course we know there was exchange for the use of the gift but there was also this sense of if you use the gift it just will go away and 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 so so for example where this leads leaves people today because their cultures are largely destroyed so the culture that supported the development of the gift and the use of the gift is largely gone and so now you have these people with these stories about the gift who don't know what to do with the gift. And so the gift is sort of tearing them up inside. But they also have these traditional ideas about the use of the gift, which is I can't take money for it. Um, I shouldn't get training. The gift should just train me. I mean, these all these sort of leftover ideas from a coherent culture that doesn't exist anymore, which leaves the person kind of hung out to dry. And so, for example... I saw this young woman as a client and she had this whole story about how she was from the reservation and her dad had the gift and his mother before him and you know blah 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 the whole lineage of the gift and all these great things everybody had done with it but her dad had done xyz and the gift just left him and he was destitute after that and now she had the gift and she didn't know what to do but but it was like the fact that she supposedly had the gift was supposed to be enough for me to you know, throw down everything and do anything I could to rescue her from herself for free. And, you know, and so I just see this um, devolution of our understanding of what it means to carry the gift and to get some training and then to offer the gift to the people. And, and this whole sort of, because it seems like in hoodoo, there's also this whole sense of, well, you have the gift. So if you have the gift, you should use it. It seems kind of similar in that sense. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's the idea of gifted for the work. Now, not everyone who practices hoodoo uh, or even hangs up their shingle as a, a root doctor or a conjurer has the gift. Uh, I'll be honest with you. A lot of people in contemporary culture, um, they just love the culture. They just love the culture of hoodoo. They, they love the acts of root work. And they might not be particularly gifted for the work, but through uh, being self-taught through books or, or training or taking a class, they feel that they are sufficient or, 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 or don't care that they're sufficient um, to hang up their shingle and say, I, I'm a root doctor. And meanwhile, on the other hand, you have individuals 
who are absolutely gifted for the work. I mean, I, I do divination um, for, for so many people who it comes up in my readings for them. I say, you know, you're, you're gifted for the work. And they sort of say, oh, I, I know. <laughs> I, I know. I, I have dreams. And, my, and then my, my grandmother comes to me in my dreams. And people, you know, people, other, other people's ancestors come to me in my dreams. And I'm going to keep my state job. But, you know, I, I get frightened, but I, I sometimes try to tell people about the dreams that I receive for them. And, and I, I don't believe that everyone needs to be a root doctor. Everyone needs to hang up their shingle. But I, I try to advise people to, A, not be afraid of, of being gifted um, or not be afraid of any psychic gifts, whether one is, say, you know, culturally experiencing a culturally sanctioned, you are gifted for the work or whether someone just says, you know, when I was a kid, I saw things. I don't do the same anymore, but I saw things and it shook me up. I'm always trying to, to lessen people's fear of, of the spirit world and their interactions with them. Um, but yeah, we, we, we are definitely experiencing a – we are bereft of, of elders. We are experiencing a, a huge deficit of, of elders and of ways to go about – handling all of this the spirit world is still dishing it out it's still you know mm -hmm. we're still we're, we're still we're still choosing to incarnate with these gifts um and 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 yet when we get here we we say oh no there's no one here to hold space for me there's right. no one to hold space for this i don't know how to go about this uh and i would also say that a lot of the philosophy that we find around magic um I would say from from books, from from the cultural landscape, this idea of of be more powerful. Uh, I am the most powerful. I, I can get anything done and and lickety split time. Versus, what is it going to take to cultivate the power you have? Your power might blow you out. <laughs> you know, your power might take you out of this world if if you if you don't learn to wield it in a good way. Um, so I, I would say that a, a lot of my I, I receive a, a tremendous amount of emails of individuals, of course, uh, based on our cultural ideas of what magic and power are, uh, who want to be the most powerful person, who want to sell their souls to the devil. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> to, you, know, you name it, uh, I get those kinds of emails. Uh, but, but the ones who are obviously more sincere, but the only idea that they have about their, their, their giftedness is grow in power. Uh, I, I share with them. Let's find out what's needed to find out what your your power is, what your gift is, and, and you do find that kind of specificity in hoodoo. Absolutely, some people are really gifted for dreaming true, as they would say, dreaming of the future or receiving ancestor visitations in their dreams. Uh, some individuals are very, very gifted at say doing love work, uh, attracting lovers for some uh, for their clients or or dominating lovers, while others. Um, should never touch love work. They'll screw everything up. But oh, sure, they gifted at at court case work, and and getting people off the hook, or or ensuring that the the judge looks with favor upon their client. Uh, so I, I love um, I love the emails I get where where someone's saying I'm, I'm gifted and I don't know what to do, and I say, well, well, let's look at how you're gifted, and let's look at what's needed to hone that gift. And in the 21st century, it's not all about hoodoo. Those kinds of emails that I get. It, sometimes it's a culture I don't understand. I, I have no relation with, and I'm so happy to refer. They say, "Well, you smell 
like something Korean. I'm going to refer you to a, a Korean shaman or someone, uh, a practitioner of Korean folk magics that I know who can help you get where you're going because it's a new world and it's very fascinating. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like a... Mm-hmm. It's like Yelp. It's <laughs> name the name the spiritual cuisine. I mean, they're all here. Here, they're all here in America. All the gods, all the well, maybe not every single one, but we're close. we're all <laughs> yeah, close. We're all here, and they're all here, and it's a big party, and we just have to figure out how to do this in a good way. Well, and the thing that's interesting, I think, is is while while hoodoo rises out of the forced conditions of being taken away from the animist, shamanic, traditional structure that these practices were in, you know, because they're stuck on boats and drug across an ocean and stuck on a new land, right? And mm-hmm. and now they've got their practices, but now the plants are different. So now they've got to learn the new plants. But they're but they're also really literally ripped out of the the cultural structure and put in in terribly adverse conditions. And and so so in a and and so then hoodoo rises out of that. But the truth of the matter, you know, based on what you're saying is all of our practices are in a similar state today, which is that they're they're pulled out of their cultures. They're 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 stripped of the the rich tapestry, for example, of the Andean culture like Aini that holds people's the development of the person, the moral and ethical development of the person in a certain uh, moral structure of the of the culture itself and that the the shamanism is practiced within that. And then within that, there's always also the dynamic between the shaman and the sorcerer. If my job is to protect the people and my people are being attacked, you know, the next act to protect them is either a retaliatory act of sorcery or, and that's, I think, the place we're poised today, or what? Or or could I be more clever than that? Mm. You know, could, because I'm, 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 Anyway, back to what we'll come back to that. But basically, my point is this challenge of the of the root worker, which is basically my own personal morals and ethics are going to guide me in my application of this work. Because we're really talking about the realm of cursing and blessing. Oh, absolutely. You know, which is kind of you know it's a great big realm, and there's a lot to it: cursing, blessing, cleansing. But cleansing is a blessing. I mean, it's, we're really in this huge realm around the cursing and the blessing and the luck. You know, how do I live in a way that the coincidence coincidences fall in my favor? Mm-hmm. Which you know is a big piece of shamanism. Are are you are you in your luck or not? Has a lot to do with its shamanic illness to not be in your luck. You know, so anyway. But my point is, all of us as practitioners now, we can call it shamanism, we can call it whatever we want to call what our practice is, but we're fooling ourselves if we think we're in in a situation any different than a hoodoo root worker, which is that the culture's ripped to shreds and our morals and ethics are going to define how we choose to practice because most of us don't have the coherent culture around us that has shaped us to be the kind of practitioner who is asking, well, what is good for all life? 
because what is good for my client, what they think they want personally, that direct A to B accomplishment may not be good for all life. Oh, absolutely. And you, and you, you find that constantly in, in hoodoo in terms of um, at least the words that are used around ethics in hoodoo. I would say that the most commonly used term is the idea of justified. Is this work justified? So a root worker might uh, might, might might say, you know, I, I I might do, I might lay this this trick on this person. It might uh, re- re- reverse. Well, usually reversing work is is pretty common. It's just the idea of, hey, I don't deserve this. Return to sender, please. Um, but the mm-hmm. idea of when it comes to cursing is, is the, the is of course, coming back again to this uh, Protestant Christianity, is this work justified in the eyes of God? Um, is, is this, uh, is, is laying this curse, is, is doing this work um, something that is equal measure to the harm this person has caused myself or my client? And on the other hand, you have individuals who might be termed uh, lady-hearted workers. And lady-hearted workers are those who, who don't do any kind of cursing work. They just sh- sh- they're just not, not their cup of tea ever. And they probably also uh, are limiting the kind of domination work that they're doing. They're, you find a lot of domination formulas, bend-over formula, uh, follow-me boy or follow-me girl or boss fix, uh, which aren't you know, necessarily sort of cursing. Well, really, they're not cursing works at all, but it's definitely an I have the upper hand. There are a lot of roots and plants that give folks the upper hand in a situation, whether it be on the job or, or, or in romance. And to me, it's, it, it's not just um, personal ethics, but it's also uh, related to how one chooses to speak to the spirit world and whether or not people even know that there are a wide variety of options. Uh, and I, I consider this in my own practice all, all the time is, is the answer to uh, help you get success on this job by, um, by, by helping to boost your own self, your own, your own ego, your own well-being and, and, and lower other people's ability to harm you. Or is the answer to because I, because I, I have the, the means of asking spirit this to do some shadow retrieval work or some soul retrieval work uh, versus sort of changing the world around you? Is this about the outside world or is this about your inner world? Uh, because we can change the outside world and, and you might encounter this pattern again. So, what does real wholeness look like in this situation? What is real well? How do we avoid you coming across? This dynamic again. I had a client who um, she would she had this pattern of, of, of being on the job, and that there would be a woman who would be hired, and that woman would begin to work roots on her, or or insert cultural way of manipulating the situation to get her job, um, and it, she actually began to develop a paranoia about it, and it is a paranoia very strongly related to a, a hatred of women. And at first, we were able to do some work of amelioration, of cleansing her, protecting her, uh, and, and, and that woman was able to safely move to a new department where uh, she would not encounter her again and her job was safe. And within two months, a new woman showed up and she said, Kai, I need you to do this, this work again of, of, of protecting me and, and making sure that my job is safe. And I said, well, hold on. Here we are in the, in the same situation Let's look at some of the deeper patterns here. And what my, my own divination was showing was, oh, this is, this is actually a pattern that's related to, to, to soul loss and, and experiences with your mother and women. And unfortunately, that, that's not something that you wanted to hear. 
She wanted the world around her to be manipulated. (laughs) Well, and this goes back to this whole issue that I always see in the issue of protection. And because often the people who most feel they need protection are the people whose behavior is problematic. And they're calling that which they want protection from to them. And, and they want the protection now versus the longer-term solution, which is investing in my own personal transformation so that I don't encounter – well, manifest and thus encounter this pattern again in life. And it's that whole sort of short-term immediate gratification culture that we're in versus the recognition that we're actually here for the cultivation of our soul and maybe the longer path is the better idea relative to cultivating your soul. Yeah, the cultivation of the soul is um, something that I I do try very hard to emphasize in in my practice and in my experience of of, of the folk magic community because I believe that we I and mean, we have the tools in, in folk magic that we, from baths to candles to teas to lamps uh, we know how to how to change the world around us and how to speak with herbs and 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 bones and, and roots and and these allies aren't just for helping us to change the world around us but they are so so helpful in helping to change ourselves and and helping to grow even while we are Finding out what community means and what it means to be accountable to community and what it means to hold each other accountable and help each other in the cultivation of the soul. Because I I do believe that true cultivation of the soul is related to um, culture and community and society. Um, And so I'm just going to do a little sidebar here. And people, this is why if you choose to work with a root worker, you want to work work with a root worker who has the gift who who does have the ability to communicate with spirit and receive some guidance beyond just our human ideas about things, about the application of, of these practices, which could certainly be learned from a book, um, you know, so can feng shui. You know, th- things can be learned, so can shamanism. <laughs> things can be learned from a book. But unless unless the practice is being infused and enlivened and informed by a direct revelation with spirit, you know, we're not doing it. Sorry, my opinion. That was my little sidebar opinion. I'll get off my soapbox now and come return to Kai. <laughs> but I think it's important for us to recognize that codifying these practices, which is a very allopathic American medicine way to go with these things, is a bad idea. They're not meant to be codified. It's an art. It's meant to be practiced creatively on the spot, in the moment, with the person and the situation and all the spirits involved. So, oh, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And um, as the internet age has changed hoodoo so much and, and changed what people think of when they, when they hear the word hoodoo and um, broadened the, the audience for it and the uh, scope of people who would call themselves hoodoos, there definitely is a push for um, people You know, people saying, remember to keep spirit in it. Not everyone necessarily knows what that means, even as they're hanging up their shingle. They're saying, well, I, I like putting herbs in a bottle and I'm going to sell this. And, and that's, that's wonderful. Um, but in the meantime, people are trying to figure out what does working with spirit mean? Does it mean paying attention to coincidences? And, and, and yes, absolutely it does. So does it mean... Um, 
cultivating a, a relationship with my ancestors or my ancestral helping spirits. It can mean that too. Uh, does it mean uh, paying attention to, say, well, again, coincidences are something that show up a, a lot. Coincidences, omens. Um, I, I think that that's probably the, the, the inroads for most people who are beginning to practice folk magic or any kind of folk magic is, you know, well, that charm broke. What does that, that charm broke and he stopped calling me. What does that mean? Uh, and it's sort of a, a step-by-step process often happening in a, a chronological adulthood or later in life rather than something that is really entrenched in you. Uh, the way of being with spirit and calling on your helping spirits and receiving their messages in, in a clear way. I think a lot of people are, are, are tiptoeing and finding things out as they go. And it's making for a very interesting world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, as we're kind of wrapping, wrapping up our hour here, I did want to cut, because we're starting to merge into that realm where we start, you know, where all these practices start to overlap and we start moving from, like, for example, like with the Amazonian shaman from the, the medicine of working with the plants or being a medicine man or woman into the shamanism of working with, with spirit and how in, a, in the idea of an Amazonian shaman, male or female, those two things are inextricably merged. But that's not necessarily true around the world. And so here we're, we're talking about root work and then we're talking about how it really, you really need to have a gift for it and be communicating with spirit and hopefully your ancestral helping spirits. And then this sort of moves over. So now we're actually developing our ability to communicate with spirits. So now we're sort of moving into shamanic realms, you know, and here we are in this, you know, it's, a, it's all, it, well, it's all interconnected. But one of the things I was sort of wondering about is what's your sense in kind of a compare and contrast of what what's what distinguishes for you that that line when you've crossed over and now you're doing shamanic services versus root work or conjure? Well, I do a lot of work in journey space. Um, and one thing that – because I have a background in hoodoo, my spirits will speak to me in hoodoo terms or in um, hoodoo modalities when we – let's say we've moved a bunch of uh, energy – in journey space, we've done some ancestral healing, uh, we've done some soul retrieval, and it's like, okay, well, what's the next step for this person to take? And my spirits are sort of showing me, well, some skull candle work. And it's like, okay, well, that's great. Um, you know, of course, not all my clients um, know, say, emotional clearing or how to journey. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes that's, that's, it's, sometimes that's great when they do so that I can, uh, they can begin to work on their own in that way. But I, I might come out of a journey and hand them a can- I might dress a candle <laughs> with some oils mm-hmm. and say, take this home. <laughs> now you're going to work on this. So I would definitely say I, I walk the line between hoodoo root work and I guess what one would say is um, neo-shamanism or, 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 or trance state kind of work. And it's um, walking that line has provided me with so many new questions and theories to explore. Um, and it's something that is, uh, I've been journeying for, I would say journeying for clients for probably about three years now. I've been journeying for myself far more, far much, uh, much longer than that. Um, and, and I, I would say that right now for me, it's really an exploration and hopefully I'll be writing about it in, in the near future as I come to some uh, maybe not conclusions, but some some answers that sit right with me. Uh, because really, I think it's about what we are 
most excited about carrying forward in terms of wholeness, not just for the individual, but for the community, uh, for whatever community that is. Right. And, and as I kind of diverted from a little bit earlier in the show, you know, this question of how we're serving and particularly around protection, where I think the, the, the question is clearest is, you know, how do I protect those that I love? How to protect my, for example, my home or my dreams. And, you know, are we going to continue in just sort of a spiritual version of an eye for an eye, <laughs> you know, which works so well to just take revenge, to just respond to the act with, a, with the same act, basically, just hopefully a bigger, bigger spiritual punch? Or do we start to actually work with spirit to ask for a different kind of answer? And and this is really after, especially my time in the Amazon, where where um, the whole movement between being the shaman and being the sorcerer, it's very clear in people when that's happening, but it's happening in the same person. So, like the exact same act done shamanically has one name, the same act done in re- in retaliation in a, in a in a sorcerer sort of way has a different name but it's the same act and so people are really clear in other words when someone is functioning as a shaman and when someone's functioning as a sorcerer and one of the simplest ways to talk about that is just is the nature of the of the person or the thing the plant the whatever being supported towards its destiny or is it being manipulated away from its destiny into something I prefer to have it do. You know, so it's this sort of issue of manipulation. Anyway, my point is being around the, that application of shamanism made me really think about, okay, how will I protect my people? Well, one, who are my people? <laughs> Back to your issue of community, who are my people, right? But how would I protect them? And how would I protect them if I've made a personal commitment as a practitioner not to just retaliate? How do, you know, what has to happen for, for me to protect the people? So then, you know, but another piece of the puzzle is learning that the most profound act of protection is living in such a way that we are unseducible and our, our light, basically, our, our expression of our life force and our robust gifts in the world is expressed so fully and in such a loving way and with such a rigorous discipline of personal work that we're unassailable. There is no avenue in because of how we choose to live. So if that's true protection without retaliation, then perhaps my protection of the people is education. Mm. I, 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 would, I would agree with you there. I would absolutely agree with you. Um, and, I, and I would also say um, new spells. <laughs> new mm-hmm, spells. Exactly. Spells being invented to, to help people in their cultivation of, of the soul. I think that's one of the most uh, ex- exciting frontiers that I'm currently on right now. Um, in Hoodoo, there's a, a lot of work with uh, helping spirits, ancestral helping spirits, and um, folk saints as well, if we were talking about sort of folk Catholic regional variations that have become very popular and and i believe that they they know obviously things that we don't know and that right. uh, if we're willing to to envision and dream up new possibilities for how we want to live here in a long-term way they're willing to to help us invent 
ways to do so, to help us invent ways to start taking those new steps. Right, because all this work moves through divination, but if we don't ask new questions, we're not going to get new answers. So true, so true. You know, we have to conceive of the very situation differently, which is what if I truly choose to do no harm? Then how do I work this? Because I'm still going to work it. But how? You know, and it just brings all new questions. And I, and I think you're right. I think especially now with all of this, as you said, the melange, just the everything, especially now we can begin to come up with some new answers, new spells, new actions, new rituals, new ceremonies, new things, innovations, if we simply refuse the old vengeful eye for an eye approach to protection and all of these different issues that arise greediness you know asking ourselves the question why doesn't the person i want to love me love me <laughs> perhaps it's about me you know? oh yes absolutely and and, and there, i would say you know there have been my own teachers have have made incredible inroads in in terms of Formula, say bathing formulas or bathing rites that they've invented for helping people to to shed say traumas of the past uh, to to invite that that new lover and stop living that old lover old pattern between lovers. Um, so you know I, I think that people have been again when we're talking about folk magic we're talking about the magic of the people uh, we're talking about the ways in which the people's intention meets working with the materials around us. And I think that people have begun to to do new things and, and, and ask new questions. And there's just more to ask and more great things to do. Well, and, and I think the piece that we haven't quite said but we've been talking around is and healing the unresolved energy of the ancestors so that we are free to do it differently. Absolutely. That is yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, Kai, thank you so much for joining me here today. The hour has flown by because we've been having such fun. <laughs> um, I want to remind everyone that you can reach Kai at conjureinthecity.com. And he is in New York. So for those of you that are lucky enough to be there can go visit, work with him in person. But he also does a lot of work long distance. So please go to conjureinthecity.com uh, or just email Kai at Kai, K-H-I, at conjureinthecity.com. So thank you, Kai. Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful, really. And thanks to your ancestors for dreaming you up. (laughs) (laughs) So I give thanks to all the ancestors, human and non-human, who have gathered around us here today. I give great gratitude to the earth below, to the sky above, and to all the plants and the animals and the things here in the middle that give us the pieces to make the medicine that we are making in this world. And finally, I give thanks to the human heart that connects us all. Thank you, everyone, and have a great week. May you uh, find a way to conjure your dreams.